0: Welcome to another episode of The Central Word, a podcast ministry of Central Baptist Church, Texarkana, Arkansas. Today's episode is from the morning message of April 16th and is preached by our pastor, Brother Mike Sylvie. Our desire is that this message builds you up in your faith as you walk daily with Christ. Here now is Brother Mike preaching from 1 Thessalonians 4 13 through 18. ...on five exciting, encouraging events of the return of Christ.
1: ...Bible. If you're discouraged... If you're worried about the future, if uh, you're wondering what in the world is the world coming to, then these encouraging words from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 are for you. That's why they were written. They are written to believers who were worried about the future, who were worried about what was going to happen when Christ came back. And the words here are meant for encouragement. And when you really understand what's here, you find that these are exciting words because these things that we read here are actually what I'm calling five exciting, encouraging events of the return of Christ. When Christ comes back, there's going to be five things that happen right away within moments, within seconds of his return that are amazing, that are exciting when you understand it and you grasp it and you see how it applies to our world and to our situation today. And that's what this scripture shares with us. The return of Christ literally, physically, bodily to this earth the second time is promised in the Bible. He promised he would come the first time and he did. We call that Christmas. He promised that he would rise from the dead when he came and he did that. And we call that Easter. In the Bible, and through Christ's own words, He has promised to come a second time, and He will. We don't have a name for it yet, but I'm sure in the future we're going to come up with a name that's nice and appropriate. It's going to happen. And one day we'll celebrate it looking back on it and just uh, celebrating all that God has done and did in the world after the return of Christ. Read with me in verses 13 through 18. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain the lord Amen. therefore comfort one another with these words encourage one another because these are encouraging words these are exciting words and it, and when we understand these words it should make us look forward to the coming of christ and not dread it or wish that it might be delayed now the word Rapture is not here in our text, and the word rapture is not found in the English Bible. But these verses teach us that Christ will come in rapture, catch away, carry away from this world the believers who are here on this earth. A thousand years ago, we didn't speak English as a world. We we spoke another foreign language that some of you may have had to take in high school. I don't know, Latin. Latin. Latin was the English of the old world. And the word rapture comes from a Latin word, raptura. That's why we call it the rapture. And that's why it's not in the English Bible, because this Bible is written in English. But it translates, the word rapture is the idea that that really translates, conveys this meaning of being caught up together, as verse 17 talks about. That's what's coming. When Christ comes back the second time, he's going to come back in the air and he is going to rapture believers and they're going to be caught up to him. And before we look at exactly what happens at that moment, the scripture calls us to understand a, a misunderstanding. Paul first deals with a misunderstanding about the return of Christ that those believers in Thessalonica had. And Some of us may still have some of those misunderstandings, so I want to take a few moments to deal with it, and then we'll get to the the five things that are happenings with the return of Christ. But the misunderstanding really for them and possibly for us is about who is going to miss the benefits of the return of Christ. They feared that some believers who had passed away, and that's what it means that they are asleep, or they're the dead in Christ, that they had physically passed away. They had heard Paul talk about the return of Christ as he preached among them. They were excited about it. They have kind of felt like, we all would have felt like, it's fixing to happen, you know. God's shown up in our life. He saved us. He birthed this church, and he's fixing to come for us, and we're going to go to heaven. And, but then they begin to realize, hey, there's old saints that have passed away. What about them? Are they going to miss out on the benefits that's going to come to this earth? And this world when Christ comes back? And it was really a real question for them. And so part of the misunderstanding for some is uh, that they wonder about those who are unprepared. And for them it was these believers that they thought were unconscious, they were unliving, and they might miss out some way. But Paul answers the question very clearly in verse 14 and 15, that all believers, dead and alive, all will be caught up. The dead will be resurrected, the living will be caught up. Every New Testament believer will participate in the rapture when Christ comes back. Now this this left out, left behind mentality still continues in our day today. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but there are some Christians and there are some Bible teachers that teach only those who are faithful at Christ's return will be raptured. And there are some, some good people that believe that and think that because Jesus put such an emphasis on watching and waiting. Uh, the Christian uh, watchman knee uh, from a couple generations ago, some of you have heard his name, maybe have written some, read some of his books, very fine, devoted Christian man. But he taught and believed that only those who were watching and waiting when Christ came back were going to be caught up. Everybody else was going to be left back. And so when the scripture here talks about, what about those who are asleep? It's not talking about those who are asleep in church. It's not talking about those who are asleep out in the world. That There's no danger of thinking that somehow you might misstep and you're going to miss it because you weren't watching when he came. No, all believers are going to be raptured when Jesus comes by. And we just need to clear up that misunderstanding. But when we think about all of God's kids going home, it raises the question practically, And honestly, for for parents, what about my child? What about my baby? What about my family member that's mentally impaired and they cannot grasp what it means to place their faith in Christ and believe in him? What about them at the rapture? That's a very real question. And some can misunderstand this as well. But I think the Bible teaches very clearly and lays the framework out there for us to teach us that those who have not re- yet reached the age of accountability in which they can believe, they will go to heaven when they leave this earth, either through the rapture or hopefully not through a premature death. And the Bible, I think, makes that clear. So the quick question or the quick answer is that uh, there is a special grace from God for children and for those who might be mentally impaired that at the rapture, they too will be raptured as well. They're not going to be left behind with no one to take care of them. God's good. And he's going to make sure all the bases are covered. What's the scriptural basis? Second, Second Samuel uh, chapter 12 when David grieved over his little child that had died, it was after the Bathsheba event. There were some consequences. The child did not survive. David prayed and fasted. Then when God gave the answer, he said, he got up, washed his face, and he went and worshiped he said, the child cannot come back. He can't come back home with me. But he said, I'm going to be with him. David was going to heaven. And by that he was saying, I know this child will be waiting for me in heaven. So that's one scripture. Another scripture is Matthew chapter 19, where Jesus says, Let the little children come to me and, I, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. The kingdom of heaven belongs to little children, Jesus said. And I'm thinking that he's making an indirect statement that, that little children populate heaven. That little children are there safe in the arms of the Father. We live in a fallen world. Things don't go correctly. There are tragedies that happen. The good people, the innocent babies, the children, and God brings those children to himself. He loves children. And he says, of such are the kingdom of God of heaven. So don't misunderstand. For all these situations, the, the return of Christ is a joyful thing. It's a wonderful thing. Amen. There's one last category though that can bother some and and I understand this and that is what about those who are unreached? What about those that might we fear might miss out on the return of Christ and then miss out on everything else that comes after that? Those who are saved? People groups are unreached. And this is where it really hits home. The prodigals. That are not yet ready for Christ to come back. There are families that grieve over family members that are far from God. And they're conflicted when they think about Christ coming back. They're excited on one hand and on the other hand they, they had this heavy burden because they don't want their loved one to miss out. And I can understand that feeling and that burden because I have family members that I do not believe are ready. I know the conflict. To be excited about the return of Christ on one hand, but then to grieve and then in my flesh say, Lord, please don't come today. We're not ready. And it's a situation that's similar to this situation that these believers face they were fearful that there were some that would that they loved that would miss out and they had an honest question and i'm going to share with you this morning something that comes out of this sermon and i think you're going to see it backed up through what happens at the return of christ and that is that i think there is some hope and there is some comfort for families that face this kind of dilemma when Christ comes back, he's going to turn this world upside down. And he's going to destroy this world system. And he's going to take out of the way and, re- and reveal some of the things that to blind people today. And I find in Scripture that the book of Revelation says that the gospel in great power will be shared after Christ returns in the rapture. Now, I, I'm not a... I'm not an expert in prophecy. Anybody that says they got all the answers about the return of Christ and the end times, I think it's not giving you an honest answer. Because when you study it, there's so much there that it's hard to figure out and to say dogmatically, this is, this is how it's going to be, how it's going to be timed, that at some points we just have to say, here's our best educated scriptural answer, but we just have to wait and let God work it all out. Someone said that uh, we don't know all the details of the end times because we're not on the planning committee. We're on the welcoming committee. I think God intentionally has left us out because he doesn't want us just to kind of bide our time if we have it all figured out. That's what we would do in some cases. We would procrastinate all the way to the end and then try to cram for the final. But he wants us to be faithful and watching and working and waiting and let him work out all the details. But here's what I'm going to tell you. And if if I share anything with you that, that you feel is not scriptural, you consider what I say and look at scripture. And if I'm wrong, you go with scripture, okay? But I find in Revelation, the Bible says, the gospel will be preached after Christ returns. And let me give you those verses real quick. This is important. I want to take some time for this. Revelation chapter 14 verse 6 the scripture says then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven having the everlasting gospel to preach to them who dwell on the earth to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. That's what the scripture says. Now some people spiritualize everything in Revelation. I think some of it is spiritualized but much of it is literal. I think that's the way we have to take it. And I think this is literal. I think that after Christ comes, He's going to turn this world upside down, and there's going to be some things happen that nobody's ever seen before on both sides of the fence. There's going to be some spiritual things that begin to unfold that the world's never seen. There'll be ungodly spiritual activities that begin to happen, and there will be great spiritual and godly things that happen. And this is one of them. God's going to send an angel to preach the gospel into all the world. And along with the angel, the Bible shows us in Revelation chapter 14 and chapter 7 that there's going to be 144,000 Apostle Paul-like missionaries from the Jewish nation that share the gospel around the world. You know the 144,000 that are mentioned in the book of Revelation? That's not just the number that's going to a special place in heaven. That's not the the truth. That's not what God's going to do. You read that in chapter 14, chapter 7, study it carefully, you find that they are from the Jewish nation. And they are those that will take the gospel to the world. They are called to Christ. They're devoted to him, and they will take the gospel to the world like the Apostle Paul did. Can you imagine? 144,000 Apostle Pauls out there going across the globe. And when they do that, Revelation chapter 7, verse 14, this is the next section after it talks about the 144,000, it says that people from every nation, tribe, people, and tongue will be saved during the tribulation from the gospel being preached. Now, I've heard it, and I know you've heard it, that there's not going to be anybody saved after the rapture. That's the, that's the dividing line. That's the final line. I've heard that preached and taught. And there are good men who preach and teach that and believe that, and that's fine. But I'm just saying, here's some scriptures that we've got to consider. And these scriptures, to me, say that God's not done saving folks when Christ splits the sky open. He's a good, gracious God. We tend to draw the line (laughs) too too early. God is much more long-suffering than we are. And in every stage of history, He always visited the people with mercy, even in judgment. It was that way in the garden. It was that way in the exodus. It was that way in the wilderness, in the captivity, in the New Testament time. It's going to be that way in the end times. And I think that's why we see the gospel going out in great power after Christ comes. Now I believe that he's going to come before the end of the tribulation. Okay, That's as specific as I'm going to get with you today. All right. <laughs> but whenever he comes, he's going to turn this world upside down, and these things are going to begin to happen. And now there is a time in which there will be strong delusions sent, and past that God will not allow those who heard the gospel before from the 144,000 over all the earth, are the seeds planted in our generation that carry over into that time. God's not going to allow. There will be a time in which He does shut the door of the ark of salvation. But we need to be careful about trying to rush that line. When is that line? 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 is the only place in Scripture where this strong delusion is mentioned Again, this is very important. I want to read these verses. Hear the scripture. Consider what it says. In verse 7, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains, I believe that's the Holy Spirit, he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. That will happen at the rapture. Then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The lawless one is the Antichrist. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, the lie of the Antichrist, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth that had pleasure in righteousness. When is the Antichrist going to rise and proclaim himself as God and all these events going to happen? Revelation chapter 13 verse 5 says it will be exactly halfway through the Great Tribulation. Three and a half years. That's when he will rise. At least at that time is when this strong delusion is going to happen, and it seems so logical. When God is going, before God uh, is going to share the gospel in one final way, in a powerful way to all the world, and many from every nation, tribe, tongue, and people are going to be saved, it's going to be a mighty outpouring of, of, of gospel preaching and salvation. Those who go through that and say no to that, God's going to say, that's it. That's your last opportunity. I'm drawing the line. There will be strong delusion. And at the very earliest, it's going to be halfway through the tribulation. So I said all that, laid all that out to say this. If you have a family member that's not ready and you fear they'll be left behind at the, at the rapture, I think these verses we've shared, the verses we're about to, to, to look at, they show you that they'll have another opportunity. God's going to give them some more opportunities. And we have to trust the God of grace. He's a good shepherd. He can do far more than we could ever do. We need to sow the seed, we need to pray, and then we need to trust and leave them in God's hands. But it is precisely the return of Christ, the rapture of Christ, that is going to set all this in motion In which the world's going to be turned upside down. And people are going to be shaking. And people are going to be looking for answers. And there's going to be an angel flying. And there's going to be some powerful missionaries that are going. And they're going to go to every nation. And I think that means our nation. Whatever's left of it. And they're going to come. And they're going to share. And that makes me say. Even so come Lord Jesus. No matter who I am. And worried about, I know that everything is safe in his hands. So let me share with you very quickly. Here's the heart of the message. I'm watching the clock, I got at least 45 minutes left. Five exciting, encouraging events that the scripture in First Thessalonians shows us. Number one, when he comes back, he will begin to command the world. That's the first thing that will happen, and it will commence with a shout. Look at verse 16 again. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with a trumpet of God. This word shout describes the shout of authority, the shout of command like a military officer Barks out words on a field of operation. Tin hut. They say that. Everybody's just snap to attention. It's a voice of, I'm here. I'm in charge. You need to do what I say. And this is what Jesus is going to do in the very first second that he descends from heaven. He's going to give a shout of authority. And by that, he's saying, I'm in charge and I'm coming to take over. He's going to begin to command the world. And that's a good thing. We need him. We need him to come and take over. And so that's what he's going to do in those first moments. it's not just going to be his voice. I think it is his voice. Because John chapter 5, verse 25, he said, Most surely I say to you, the hour is coming in which the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. I think he's going to shout. And along with him, there's going to be the sound of the archangel's voice, which probably is Michael. And then along with that, it's going to be the the sound of the trumpet of God all together these three will create a heavenly sonic boom that will shake the earth the world won't know what happened but we'll know because he says my sheep hear my voice and they know me that's how it's going to start Jesus will begin to take over everything number 2 Jesus will call the dead in Christ from the grave. That's the second thing he'll do. And it will come in a split second after he shouts. Verse 16 again. And the dead in Christ will rise first. The dead bodies of believers laid in graves will be resurrected. Jesus opens graves. He empties graves. And he's going to come one day and shout with his voice. Again, John 5:25, And he says... The dead will hear and they will live. The first place Jesus is going to visit when he comes back are the grave sites of Christians who have passed away. The place there where families have gathered. Tears have been shed. Hope has been embraced. The death of his saints are precious in his sight. And Jesus is going to send his power first. His presence first, right there to that gravesite. And He's going to raise those dead bodies. And those dead bodies are going to come back to life again. They're going to be reunited with their spirit, which is now in the presence of the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's going to happen in a split second. And no matter if the remains have been lost, forgotten, or scattered, it won't be a problem for the Lord of life molecules will be reconstructed cells will be reunited body and tissue will be reattached life and vitality will be returned and there's going to be a resurrection Jesus is going to take over and that's exciting Job said this about all the way back in the Old Testament after my skin is destroyed this I know that in my flesh I shall see God whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. In other words, he says, it's not going to be a fake me. It's not going to be an imitation me. It's going to be the real me in my flesh, because he's going to raise me up. And I'm going to see my Redeemer. Not only did Jesus command, when he comes back, not only is he going to command the world and call the dead, but number three, exciting, comforting, event that's going to happen is he's going to change all believers verse 17 then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them it's going to happen quickly Paul says in a moment in the twinkling of a lie, of an eye the trumpet will sound the dead will be raised incorruptible and we all shall be changed and that's going to be a good thing we're all going to be changed how are we going to be changed Scripture says that which is mortal is going to be changed into that which is immortal, and that which is subject to death will be changed into that which cannot die. It's going to become immortal. Now, if you have accepted Christ, you've been changed on the inside already. You have an immortal soul on the inside. What's on the inside can never die. That's why he said, do not fear them that can kill the body, but can't touch the soul. But when Jesus comes back, He's going to transform everything, every part of us, into something that is immortal and will never, ever decrease or change again. Your body, your mind, your emotions, your energy, your abilities, all will flash into immortality in that moment. And in that moment, we're all going to fly. We're going to be caught up in the air. No parachutes. Here we go. Whew. Because we are now immortal. Nobody changes your life like Jesus. He only takes those things from us that hurt us, and He always gives more than He takes. This is what He's going to do here at the, His return. It's exciting, it's encouraging. And then this, I think this is the most exciting part of all of it. Number four is he will convene an upstairs meeting. Verse 17, look at it again. He said, we will be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord. There's going to be a meeting. And that word meeting here is a, a literal word that means to have a personal meeting. In the biblical world, it actually was a word that described an official meeting between citizens and their leader, in which they would go out to the outskirts of the city and they would greet him out there and then welcome him back into the city. In the modern day time, we see this happening as a president or a former president will come to the area and people go out there to the airport, out there to the tarmac, and welcome him in and then come back to a rally or a a meeting in the city where he gives a big speech. This is what's going to happen when Jesus comes back. And here's what's so exciting about it. Is that you and me are going to be a part of this meeting. We who in this modern day have not seen Jesus with our own eyes. We've not been able to hear him with our own voice. Our own ears. Hear his own voice. But at this meeting, this will be our moment. That before we leave this created world. Up in our air in our world, up in our sky. We're going to have that meeting with Him. Just He and us. This is our time. And it's going to be exciting. We're going to see Him. We're going to hear Him. And oh, what a crowd that's going to be there. You think about it. Every New Testament believer, all the disciples will be there. Mary, the mother of Jesus, will be there. All the brothers of Jesus that came to the faith are going to be there. Paul's going to be there. is going to be there. Silas is going to be there. All the first century Christians are going to be there. All the great missionaries that have lived over the centuries are going to be there. All the great theologians and great Christians are going to be there. All the great evangelists. Our grandparents, great-grandparents. Heroes of the faith and our own family—they're all going to be there. All the great Christian patriots of our nation—George Washington, Abraham Lincoln—all those great men that no doubt were Christians—they're all going to be there in that meeting, and we're going to be there. And Jesus is going to be in the center. Isn't that something to look forward to? And it's going to happen right then. He's going to convene a meeting—a skybox meeting, if you will. Up in the air. Are the clouds big enough to contain such a crowd? With the storms we've had in recent seasons, do any of us doubt that God can provide the cloud cover for something like this? I think he can. And we're going to have this experience. Fifth and finally, Jesus will corral a conquering army. This is implied in verse 17 when it says, And thus we shall always Be with the Lord. We're going to be with him in his presence at his side. When he calls us to himself in the air, that's going to be the last time we're ever. Physically, literally, spiritually, separated from him. We'll never leave his side. And Revelation talks about how all this is going to develop. as in these moments he begins to bring us around himself Here's what Revelation chapter 19 says. It says, Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. That's you and me. Jesus at his return will cowboy up and ride with us at his side... As he goes and he takes over the entire world. How exciting is that? After he revives the Jewish nation and calls them to himself, sends out the missionaries, the church is glorified in heaven, and unreached people that can still be reached are reached, Jesus is going to ride into every town, every village, every part of this world, and he's going to take over. He's going to clean up, and he's going to take over. And he's going to begin to rule the heavens and the earth. And all that's going to commence when he comes At the rapture. That's why we need to say. Even so. Come Lord Jesus. Lord get us ready. Lord help me to sow the seed. That you're going to use. Lord help me. Answer our prayers. Hear our prayer. And Take care. Of our families. And our loved ones. And all who need to come to you Lord. We trust you. We need you to come. And step up to the center. We don't need the Lord in the back, in the corner. We need him at the front. We don't need him hanging back and just not being a part of our society. We need him to be the very center of everything. And that's going to begin to happen at the rapture. And we need to pray for it and look forward to it. And be ready for it. And that's exciting. And if you understand all of this, I think you can't help but just admit that, yes, this, this is the attitude that we need to have. Even so come Lord Jesus. But the only person that cannot get excited about the return of Christ and it's not encouraging for that person is a person who has never accepted Him.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of The Central Word. Our prayer is that this message will encourage you in your walk with Christ as we dive into God's Word each and every week. Thanks again for joining us And may God bless you in the week to come.